Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Welcome to episode 25 of the Craft to Career Podcast. This week we have Shannon Brinkley as the guest. She is so fun and insightful. You're really going to love hearing from her. It's neat to chat with her because she and I have a lot of similarities. We both offer a course. We have a membership. And we have branched out into different ways of earning an income in the quilting sphere world. And she talks a lot about these different ways to earn an income within this quilting community. But it also translates into other aspects of if you're not a quilter, if you're just a creative or an entrepreneur – And she's just got some great stuff. I love chatting with her. And by the end, I was motivated. You'll see what we talk about. But I was motivated to do a few things myself. And before we dive into that, I want to read a review from Maria.DelightfullyQuilted. Maria says, Elizabeth does a great job interviewing her guests about the story behind their success. I've learned a lot as I'm going through the process of starting up my own quilt boutique. Thank you for all the insights into the quilting industry. Thank you, Maria, for your review. And I do love giving insights into the quilting industry. In fact, I'm really excited. I've had a few people reach out and ask about doing a podcast on having a quilt pattern launch, specifically a double launch, as I've just launched two patterns, and how to host a quilt along. So those are topics that will be coming down the road. So thank you for leaving your reviews, for letting me know what topics you'd like to hear more about, because I really do want to serve you as listeners and give you information that's helpful to you. So with that said, let's dive in and I'll introduce you to Shannon. All right. I am super excited to have Shannon on the show today. Shannon is a a perfect example of someone who has taken their craft and turned it into a career and done it very gracefully and very successfully. So Shannon, I am so excited to have you here. For our listeners, can you introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit about how you got into quilting? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's so fun to be able to chat with you. I could talk all day long about business. So this is just such a pleasure. I began quilting in college and was quilting in my dorm room. I was probably the only girl in my dorm room with a sewing machine and quilting on a Friday night. Super cool. And um, continued quilting. I was studying elementary education. I never even considered that quilting could have anything to do with my career. Uh, I never even considered starting a business. I thought the pe- the business majors at my school were really boring. <laughs> so that never <laughs> even crossed my mind. Uh, and it wasn't until I'd been teaching for a few years. I taught third grade. And my husband, it's funny, we were watching House Hunters International, the TV show, and we're seeing these people who would just move to Mexico or move to Italy. And we were asking, what on earth do they do for a job? How are they able to just up and move to a different country? And uh, we're completely envious of that flexibility. And so we started doing a little research and Googling, well, what could we do remotely? And uh, 
it, that was really the beginning. It was this desire for more freedom, for that freedom of working where we wanted to work, working when we wanted to work. And so that was um, the kind of seed that started things back in 2011, somewhere around there. And so then I decided, um, you know, we started learning as much as we could. Um, I became completely voracious uh, to learn about what it meant to start your own business. And I thought, well, I already love quilting. Um, we're supposed to find a niche, so maybe this is it. And um, kind of started from there. So I started making quilts. I, I actually um, started making quilts in the con. I had been making quilts for for years, but in the context of um, starting a business, I had no clue what what I was doing. I started originally with an Etsy shop selling quilts, and quickly learned that that um, that that was not going to be the way that I wanted to move forward. And, um, because I would end up spending everything that I made just on the quilt supplies, let alone my own time. And so through that though, through that Etsy shop, I was developing, I was kind of growing and developing my own style and I was making lots of quilts and selling them for almost nothing, no profit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I sold baby quilts for like $185 or something like that. And, um, but out of that grew my style that I now call scrappy applique. So I think everything happens in the perfect timing and as it's supposed to. And so then I started thinking, well, maybe I could teach people to make quilts like what I'm doing. Cause I don't really see a lot of people doing I don't see that this type of quilting really at all at the time. And, um, so on a whim, I decided to, I I did some research looking around for publishers and kind of on a whim, I submitted, uh, uh, I reached out to a book publisher. I talked to the acquisitions editor over at CNT at stash books, which is a subset of CNT publishing. And, um, she gave me some feedback and then I submitted my book, book proposal and then about a month later, I it was accepted. And so then after that, I started teaching and designing quilt patterns. And everything has just kind of spiraled from there. <laughs> that is so cool. So this is really interesting to hear. First of all, some similarities. I also studied education and I taught English. And I remember I worked in the business section of the library on my college campus. And literally, they people would come in to study business. And I was like, that is so boring. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's so fascinating that like business is not boring. It's really not. No, I could talk all day about marketing now. Whereas before I used to think it was completely boring or even kind of sleazy, but now I've learned how to make it generous and creative and playful and fun. And so it's, it's as much a part of the creative process, I think, as making my quilts. Totally. And I, one day we'll have to meet in real life because I seriously could chat about business all day too, which is why we're here. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So this scrappy applique, did you have a name for it? Like, was it something, how, how did this come about? Yeah. So, you know, what's funny is, so I was new to like the quilt world, the quilt industry. I had been making quilts, but I wasn't, I didn't really know what else was going on in the quilt industry. I was totally self-taught. Um, I didn't even, you know, after 
um, making several quilts. I was like, I, I think there's probably a better way to finish it. Cause I didn't even understand how to do binding. I just kind of made up how to finish the edges of the, of the quilt. And so I, it was, it was very self-taught. I didn't know anything about the quilt industry and didn't know very much or anything at all about marketing and positioning. And so at the time I was thinking, okay, these quilts are really quick to make. That's probably why people are going to like them and why they're going to want to make them. So I'm going to call it eight hour quilt. Cause I just read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week. So I was like, okay, it'll be <laughs> the perfect, <laughs> the perfect thing to do. And so that was my kind of working title. When I then talked to the acquisitions editor over at CNT and I sent her some photos um, of my work, she's, she, um, she said, well, your photos are really gorgeous. I love, and she very elegantly and love and, you know, and graciously pivoted me toward, uh, the positioning of, well, this is an interesting style and technique. Let's focus on that. And, um, so I didn't have an, I, a name at all. I, then the working title became collage quilting, which would, would have been way too generic. Um, it was actually the, the brains over at CNT, they were, you know, the, the team, the acquisitions team and, um, the editors and publishing team, you know, had, had, uh, different meetings about my book and they came up with the name scrappy bits applique and, and shared it with me. And I thought, Oh, at first I thought that that sounded really weird. And then it grew on me and then it be, you know, I couldn't think of any other name. And so the book was scrappy bits applique and then the technique I've since coined and trademarked as scrappy applique. Yeah, that is so cool. And then you also, I, I know just from like hearing you and seeing you speak that you like to do live lectures. You like to teach people in person. Was that something that came after the book? Like, how did you first get started with that? And how, how has that been for you as far as your business has gone? Yeah, so that was really big uh, and a really key revenue stream early on. Uh, as soon as my book was published, I started reaching out to quilt guilds. Um, it was actually Angela Walters who gave me the suggestion of just reaching out to quilt guilds and starting to introduce yourself and offer to teach. Uh, and there's the the people on the board of these quilt guilds are always looking for content. They're always looking for workshops. And so if you're able to save them the trouble of finding you and actually reaching out to them, all the better. And so I started reaching out to quilt guilds and introducing myself, sharing some photos in the email and um, started teaching. So I started teaching and traveling around the country, around North America, and did that for several years, uh, teaching scrappy applique. And then eventually my color curriculum that I've developed, color confidence for quilters. And it wasn't until a couple years ago now, I think it was 2019, we got to the point where the number of requests coming in for me to teach was way beyond what I could or wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I wanted to focus on um, the, you know, the scalable products within our business, the online workshops, uh, the membership, things like that. Um, and I also at that point started this mentorship program patchwork for fellow business owners, people who wanted to grow their own business. And I was hearing over and over, you know, I want to start my business, but I don't have, um, I don't have my own IP. I don't have my own technique or anything like that. Where do I begin? And so we thought that we could solve both of those problems together. So we developed our teacher certification program. So we're actually now certifying teachers in our trademarked pro products, our uh, scrappy applique 
and color confidence for quilters. So now instead of me traveling around and teaching, we then defer those, uh, those, um, requests for me to teach. We send them to our page on our website for our CTs, um, and send them the referrals. So that's kind of how we've structured that initially though, that's, that was my primary revenue stream teaching. And I think is still the quickest and easiest way to start a business in the quilt industry. Mm-hmm. Once you have something to teach. <laughs> right. And I love yeah. that you offer some this idea, this opportunity for people who have that desire, but don't have something of their own. So here, mm-hmm. get certified and you can go and teach, have that teaching opportunity, have something unique to offer. And I'm so impressed. Like, how did you think to, to train people and outsource that? It was actually a lot of that, you know, we, we have been talking about, you know, when we run into different problems within our business, we discuss it and we kind of, um, let it stay there lightly. Like we, we don't stress about the problem. We just let it kind of float around lightly and trust that uh, a solution is going to come up. And so over time, through lots of conversations with my husband, the idea of this teacher certification program kind of grew and developed. And his background, his corporate background was in learning development uh, for companies. So if you've ever heard of Myers-Briggs, mm-hmm. um, that, that system, it's kind of, it was a similar, similar business model, um, similar type of um, content. And so there, he was already really familiar with the business model of training and certifying people in your IP, your intellectual product property, and um, licensing them to then go and um, teach or facilitate. And so we already had that context and were able, Matt was able to bring all of his uh, experience and knowledge of that into then, okay, well, how can we make that work within our industry and um, for our business? So that's pretty much how it it began. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And I think too, so you and I, our listeners don't know, but we've chatted before. I think I reached out to you like, can we just chat? I just love meeting yeah. people who are quilters and business women or business people. So mm-hmm. um, so we have chatted and I, if you want to share with our listeners, your husband is on board with helping your business full time. Can you share mm-hmm. what what he does, what hats he wears? I mean, you kind of touched on that with with this idea, but I'm sure there's more mm-hmm. that he does. So I'm super curious to hear about that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was in 2019, the spring of 2019, Matt left his corporate job. We had sticky notes on, I, I got a sticky notepad and had counting down the days and we had it on the fridge. And so each day he would pull off the sticky note and it was <laughs> counting down to when he was able to like go to his last day at his, at his job. Um, and then before then coming and joining me in the business. So that was a huge goal. I mean, I told, it was back from 2011 when that initial seed was planted for us to both be able to work remotely. I had been working remotely for years at that point. Um, but then the business was finally at the point where we felt confident in him leaving. Um, and so that was in 2019 and, um, the business has just grown so much since. And we've added, um, we have another, um, full-time uh, employee Katie, who wears a lot of hats as well. And we have customer service guru Janelle, and we have a few contract workers and hiring another one now. So it's really grown, um, since then Matt is our COO. He is in charge of operations. 
So he handles a lot of the logistics, a lot of, um, in terms of, um, printing products, shipping and delivering, uh, products, uh, patterns and things like that. Um, he is, uh, as, as I already said, really closely, um, involved in our teacher certification program. He is in contact with our accountant and all things financial, um, he handled the trademarking of our IP. Uh, so he wears a lot of different, a lot of different hats. He does. He really does. And so uh, your Facebook game is awesome, by the way, your ads, your Facebook ads. Oh, so, and I don't know if you have them <laughs> other places as well, but how did you learn to do those ads? Did you take a course? There's so many questions I have, but we'll start with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, really, I... I um, am of the mindset that I, within my business, have always just figured out what I needed to when I needed to do it. Um, I think a lot of business owners and what I've experienced with mentoring lots is that they will feel very overwhelmed at the beginning and feel and, and just won't even kind of begin or get started. And so Facebook ads wasn't something that I tackled at the very beginning. It was something I think that I started using in like 2016, 20, like right at 2017, maybe somewhere around there. And, um, it was like everything I taught myself. I started learning as much as I possibly could. I did take a few different classes, um, a few different courses that I was a part of as well had, you know, additional side Facebook training. So I was just gobbling up as much as I could and then just began, just started testing it out. And that has been a really, um, a strong source of traffic for us and what's helped us grow our email list to the size that it is. And which then your, I, I believe firmly and, and know that your email list directly correlates the size of your email list directly correlates the size of your income that you're bringing in the size of your revenue. And so you could, if we put them both on a little plot chart, you could see how as our email list was growing, so was our revenue um, really hand in hand. Yeah. Okay. And I love this as well, because I think I've seen you address this in like a Instagram live or something, but you were talking about, you don't focus a ton on Instagram. You know, this isn't, that's not your thing. And so Facebook ads, it looks like email is what you focus on. And Facebook, I've been wondering, how do you grow your email list? So is it mostly Facebook mm -hmm. ads or how do you grow that? Yeah, initially it was through Instagram. It was through Instagram engagement. If you go to my Instagram and scroll back, I was a lot more active a few years ago. Uh, but then I started, once I started with the Facebook ads, I could see so much quicker results. And I was able to reach so many more people, um, and much more easily. And I was able also to track my return on, um, ad spend, the return on the investment. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to see, okay, I can spend this much money and get this many new email subscribers. Also the fact that, um, when I, I have found that 
email marketing is at least 20 times as effective as social media marketing. Mm -hmm. Even back when I was posting consistently, you know, you post on, everyone knows that you post on Facebook, you post on Instagram and only a tiny fraction of your audience actually sees it. And, but if you send out an email, everybody gets it. Not everybody's going to open it, but everybody gets it. And so the conversions are so much higher. Also, social media is a distraction machine. They have teams and teams of people uh, whose sole job is how can we get people to stay on this platform longer, which is really challenging as a business owner because you want to bring them over to your platform and have them start engaging with your content and learning about you. Um, and so I found that email marketing is just leaps and bounds more effective. And I can only juggle so many things at once. And so social media has been a ball that I've just allowed to drop. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we will moving forward, be doing a little bit more on social media, be doing more on Instagram. Um, but I've, I, it also was a, became a source of stress for me. It became where I would get on the platform and just, I felt I just, it, it was just really, really stressful. So I thought this is a ball I can let drop. I'm going to step away and I'll come back to it if I can do it in a way that feels fun and feels like just a, a natural sharing of my creativity and what I'm working on rather than, okay, I have to do this for the business. Yeah. And it's interesting looking back at your progression where you started off. I feel like it's pretty easy and normal for someone to start off on, let's say Instagram. YouTube, whatever yeah. it might be. It's free. It's free, <laughs> right? And you can yeah. collaborate and all of that. But to grow the email list, and it's so funny because people are always shocked, like, get out. There is no way the email list. I'm like, it's it's true. Like, it's in the email list. 100%. And yes. time and time again, it's so liberating hearing this that, like, you can let that Instagram go. You can, but you do have to focus somewhere. Like, you've got the Facebook ads. There's got to be something that you're, connecting mm -hmm. with your audience. Um, I am curious if you're willing to share what your email list size is roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Our email list size is right now, right around 75,000. That's awesome. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't always there. It was, you know, it started out, uh, where when I just started my email list, it was, you know, a couple dozen. And then as I was teaching, I would bring a notepad with me uh, and have people sign up for my email list there and I would plug it in. And then, um, I started, you know, sharing and trying to find ways to draw people from Instagram is where I was hanging out more to sign up for my email list. I was giving different incentives. And then I started my Facebook ads and it grew to a few hundred, a few thousand, then tens of thousands. Um, so, you know, it just slowly, but surely mm -hmm. it does. And you can also, I can see directly the revenue that's resulting from those ads. So I can very confidently spend lots of money in Facebook ads because I know exactly, you know, more or less based on the data, I know how much I'm going to get back. So I can do that really wisely and invest that money um, well within my business. And I know, okay, for every, you know, at this point in the business, I know um, with different marketing campaigns that we do, I know with, for every dollar I spend, I can get $2 back or $3 back or, you know, depending on what it is, sometimes $5 back. Um, so, and, and grow my list at the same time. So it becomes like a, you know, broken slot machine that you run into at Vegas. If, if you know, every time you put a dollar in, 
you would get $3 back, how much money would you put into that slot machine? Okay, this is so exciting for me. We have got to talk about this (laughs) because I just in the last year started doing Facebook ads. So how long? Okay, total transparency. I've grown my email list by a lot with Facebook ads but Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing the conversion. So I offered one of my Mm -hmm. biggest things that I offered that helped grow the list was a free pattern. So obviously you want to have an upsell, you know, where you're offering something after that. And I tried, didn't really work as well. So I'm so curious how this Facebook launch thing has gone for you throughout the years. Like, did you have some flops? What things are you offering in the Facebook ads? Mm -hmm. What brings the best conversion? All the things. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. Yes, of course there were flops. There's going to be flops and failures and anything that you do. It's so much of running a business is, uh, you know, taking a piece of spaghetti, throwing at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, so what has worked really well initially, um, we, it was the, the free pattern. Also, I had a free pattern that I was offering and offering, and that was what was growing the email list. And then in the newsletter that I would be sending out, I would be sharing about my patterns and sharing about my um, my workshops and stuff like that. And so I could then see that, um, you know, okay, my email list is at a thousand now. And whenever I send out my, my emails, I'm making, you know, $200 for every newsletter I send out, or maybe it's this much and et cetera. And it just, you know, slowly and steadily grows. And I, I've, I've heard before, and I've found at least with my experience in, in my business and starting to work with other business owners too, is that, for your email list, for a well-monetized business, you can make around, and this is super rough, so just let it just be a, a very, very rough number, but you can make around a dollar per subscriber per month mm-hmm. for a well-monetized email list. I don't know if that has been your experience or or not within your business. I mean, that's okay. Has that been your experience? Because I've heard this too. Are you a Russell Brunson fan? Do you like... I, I have... I have followed, I've, I've followed from him. I've learned from him a little bit. He's not my cup of tea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's other people that I enjoy more. So I go with them. All right. You'll have to share who, who your go-to whatever mentors are, but, um, yeah, I don't remember where I heard that if it was from him or somewhere else, but I heard that and, Mm -hmm. and I looked at my list and how much I'm bringing in each month. I'm like, "Mm, no, I should be bringing in more. Yeah. If that were true. So I don't know if I need to be offering more per month or, you know, I don't know, but probably offering more and potentially more higher ticket products. Yeah. So the things that you offer, you have, the, and I'll list what I know. And then uh, there's probably more that I'm not sure of. So you have mm-hmm. a course that you mentioned, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's a, it's a business course where you're helping people, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, have patchwork. A patchwork. And then you have yeah. a membership, which I've been a member of, which is really awesome. And yeah. you have this, the training, the mm-hmm. trademark, uh, scrappy applique. And then actually, I mm-hmm. don't even know, but I'm assuming you have patterns that you sell. Yeah. Uh-huh. So our, yeah, our product suite looks like we have the scrappy applique product suite. And that was really the, that's what started everything out. Um, so we had scrappy applique patterns, had the book, um, had an online workshop. Um, and then a whole bunch of digital patterns. And so we've since bundled all of that together and have the Scrappy Applique school and library. And so it's the full Scrappy Applique workshops and bonus classes, as well as all of our PDF patterns. 
all live in that. So that's a one-time fee type of purchase. So course style purchase. And then we have our membership meander where we uh, teach, we help quilters grow and develop their own unique quilt making style. uh, And uh, by exploring lots of different styles and quilt making and also mastering color. And so that's the focus of meander. It's a monthly membership right now. It's a $19 price point um, per month or one ninety for the year. Um, scrappy applique. It was, it was, uh, the school and library was 97. We're, we're going to next time we offer it up it probably to 197. And then, um, if not more, cause we're going to be adding lots of value in there. And then, um, and we do have individual patterns. People can purchase a la carte at the normal like pattern price. And then patchwork is our business training program where we teach people how to take their own IP and then grow and scale a business, um, using the methods that I've done. Um, and that is a, a course um, and like coaching program. And so that's at the, um, what is it? It's $12.97 price point, um, at least the last time we offered it. And then the teacher certification program is our other one. Um, and that's at a higher price point to certify people in our IP. Okay. So, okay. And I guess thinking about the math, I mean, mm-hmm. if I take what I earn a year and divide it by the subscribers on the email list, then it probably is, you know, equaling out to more than the dollar. But what I'm thinking is every time I send out a newsletter, I'm not seeing with every newsletter that kind of sale, you know, do you see that with every newsletter that you send out? So back whenever, um, a few years ago, it was, I was focused more on, kind of the lower product. And I think this is what a lot of people in our industry do. They're focusing on, um, patterns, individual pattern sales mostly. Mm -hmm. Um, and they get on this hamster wheel of creating a new pattern, putting it out there and then making a little bit of money, creating a new pattern, putting it out there, making a little bit of money and then get themselves completely exhausted. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, when that was my, I, I, I did see a direct correlation at that point from the number of people and how many emails I sent out and then how much money was coming in. And it was relatively consistent. However, now we've, we're, we've, um, transitioned in the last several years to more of a launch style, um, mm-hmm. uh, model. And so we'll have these bigger promotions, maybe quarterly instead, bigger promotions, Um, and then we do have some evergreen things running, um, along also. So there's definitely, it's not consistent. Like it's not our full revenue divided by 12, um, for each month. There's huge ebbs and flows. Okay. And and, yeah, that makes me feel better. Okay. So, and then, um, your membership, do you open it? Is it open all the time? Do you have open close? How does that work? Initially we did open close and that was fine. Um, and we though are, are right now experimenting with keeping it open all the time, but just having special promotions that provide that oomph. And so that's, I mean, as you know, creating, um, some kind of urgency, Mm -hmm. a reason for people to buy now is totally essential. And what most business owners in our industry that I've seen are lacking, they just, they create patterns, create workshops and just put it on their website and say, okay, Hey, come buy it. Mm-hmm. Come buy it when you want to, it's here for you. But whenever you do that, you, you they, your, your customers have three options. They have a, they're either going to say yes, no, or maybe later. And 
decision fatigue is a real thing. And Mm -hmm. so if they're able to choose maybe later, they're going to choose maybe later. And so the conversions go down hugely. Um, however, when you have that, that kind of, um, a reason for them to purchase now. So if it's an open close style membership, or if it's, um, open all the time, same with products. So the scrappy applique workshop is open all the time, but we'll have special promotions, um, at different times. Like, uh, if you join now, you get to join me for the, a live workshop, or if you join, you know, if you join now, you get the special bonus. And so we do, we're doing the same thing with meander and kind of experimenting to see, um, and you know, how, how that works. It's a piece of spaghetti that we're testing mm-hmm. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my membership, I did the same. I started off, I think it was Stu McLaren who I listened to talk about, you yeah. know, memberships. And mm-hmm. he definitely recommended like you have an open and you have a close. And I did that and it worked really yeah. well, but I would see every time I open numbers would go up, they'd trickle down slowly. And I was like, you know what, let's keep mm-hmm. it open all the time. It did not work mm-hmm. well. It didn't. Nope. And so yeah. we went back and sure enough, like it just there is, and he talks about like if you're seeing an item that's for sale and they say you you can buy it whenever you'll you'll save it like oh cool yeah I'll come back and get it but if you you'll know, pin it yeah right? you pin it exactly <laughs> it's like cool yeah but if it's you can only buy it till this time and you know what's interesting is I've had a few people not directly but they'll post about like I why are they selling this for a limited time that's so gimmicky and salesy I'm like you can call, I don't, I do not find it salesy and gimmicky. Like if someone wants a product, you're helping them make that decision quicker and faster and be decisive about it. And there are certain things I'm sure with you as well, with the courses, with trainings, where there's some personal one-on-one interactions. And if that's available all the time as a business owner, you cannot do it. Like it's, it's impossible. And Mm -hmm. absolutely this open cart, closed cart, there's there's more rhyme and reason besides just like, and okay. I'm curious if you ever feel, do you ever like, I love the business side. I love studying like the psychology of sales and all of that. And sometimes do you ever struggle with this is really working? Wow. I feel like that's salesy or slimy, even though it's not just because we understand how it works. Do you ever struggle with that? So I used to in the beginning, Uh, but I have since come to the understanding that, and I think, uh, so one of you asked about some of my business mentors, Marie Forleo is one of them and she's just a beautiful human and, um, very smart entrepreneur. Um, and she shares a lot. And what I've noticed too, is that if you are, if you believe in what you're creating, if you love what you're creating and know that there is so much value in, in that, in it, um, that there, that your products are awesome and that people are going to really enjoy, uh, what the experience of them, whether that is something that they are going to learn, whether that's a way for them to get outside of their comfort zone, try something new, or just make something pretty, or just have a lovely afternoon of feeling, um, distracted and created, mm-hmm. <laughs> creative, that's a generous thing. And so it is then up to you to then do everything you can to get that in as many hands as you possibly can. And I think that that is an act of generosity of sharing this awesome thing that you created much more. So I always, I focus on that and my, my main focus too. And I think what's really helpful also is that, um, I think when we're, 
you know, you, you have your flashlight of attention that you can only shine in one direction. I think this is a metaphor that I learned from Marie Forleo as well. You have a flashlight of attention that you can only focus in one direction. Most of the time we have it pointed toward ourselves and we're focusing on, I wonder what other people are thinking of me. I wonder, like, I, you know, I wonder if this is going to work and you're, you are stressing out and overthinking. However, if you can turn it around and just point it toward your audience and focus on, okay, how can I create a completely just fun and delightful experience, whether they decide to buy from me or not, how can I add as much value as possible and let that be your number one focus and not even stressed about what the end result is going to be, how much money you're going to make, any of that. If you can just focus on how can I provide value to my audience, to these quilters, then uh, I, I think that is just the the secret sauce. I absolutely love that. Okay. Have you, and this is like when you said you take the flashlight and instead of fo- pointing it on you, you point it on, you know, your customers, the people that you're serving. Mm-hmm. How do you do that when you I, I'm, I'm just assuming at this point, anyone who has a business and is putting themselves out there, you have had some people who are not happy with the product, that it's just not the right fit for them. And, and probably someone was grumpy about it. How do you overcome that? And how do you not have that flashlight be on you and focus on mm-hmm. the one who's not happy when there's hundreds who are, you know? I mean, that's that like negativity bias. Is that what that's called? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, a hundred people are happy, but that one person isn't. And then that's all you can remember. They're, you know, maybe nasty comments or something. Right. Yeah. Um, What do you do? I mean, that's human nature and that we've evolved to, to, to function like that. We're looking for problems. We're looking for dangers. And those are going to stand out. The tiger in the meadow is going to stand out so much more than all the flowers in the meadow. Um, So that's fine. One, at this point in my business, uh, I have a customer service team and there they get to handle all of those and they don't tell me when there's you know, someone who's just really unhappy. And, that's a beautiful um, thing. And it's that, that, yeah. So that's really one that's, that's seldom. It doesn't happen very frequently. I think especially when um, you're approaching customer service in a really um, compassionate, generous way when you care deeply about your customers. Um, but if it does, then it's just, we have lots of refund policies and, um, and if people aren't happy, you know, as long as they ask for a refund within those certain days, then we give them their refund and our blessing and send them along their way. And I mean, you just can't let that be what you focus on. You have to focus on, and it's a real thing. And it's, I'm, I spend a lot of time managing my brain and managing what I'm focusing on, what I'm putting my energy on. And that I think is the most important work that I do in the business, even more so than like, I don't know, a Facebook ad campaign. Mm -hmm. It's managing my brain and managing where my energy and my, um, uh, my life force, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, are. And so, um, things like, um, if you're still in the inbox, things like pinning, um, or saving in a folder, all of the lovely emails that you get, um, putting those in there and, you know, once a day, or especially when you need it, go in that folder and read through those things to remind you of all of the people who do love your products. Um, and, uh, spending time, I mean, I really love teaching live. So I do a lot of teaching live and the people who come to that are really engaged. Mm-hmm. And so that's able, that's another way where I can engage with my customers, um, in this really like fun, positive way that helps to fill up my tank. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you're not, you're not going to please everybody. There's going to be people for sure that are unhappy with anything. Even if you gave them the most amazing product and the most amazing experience, you know, some people aren't going to, it's not going to be their jam and that's okay. And you wish them well and just know that they're, that's, they're not your people and that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautifully said. So I am curious, you mentioned Marie Forleo. Who are some other mentors that you've studied from and learned from? Yeah, um, James Webmore is another uh, digital marketing. So really what it, what it came to was um, back in like 2016, uh, I, I was before that, I was looking in the quilt industry for examples of how to start and run a business, a successful business here. And so I was doing what other people were doing um, within our industry. But as you know, and as you know, as I've spent more time in the industry, most people, even if they have huge followings, even if they're seen as big successes, most of them aren't making a lot of money. There's lots of fabric designers out there, for example, who have side jobs. Yep. Um, even if they're like really, really popular. Um And so once I started noticing that and noticing too, you know, I am working so hard, working so many hours and to what return. Um, And so it was at that point that I started looking outside of the quilt industry for um, inspiration about, and that's how Scrappy Applique began. I was looking outside of the quilt industry for inspiration for this art form that I was creating and I figured it out on my own. And so that's why it looks really unique. Um, or at least did, you know, back when I first created it. Um, and I then did the same thing with digital marketing. So I started looking outside um, the quilt industry and finding these different mentors and learning as much as I could and then figuring, trying to think, okay, well, how can I um, make this applicable for the quilt industry? And, you know, testing things and plenty of things worked and plenty of things didn't and just kind of went from there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Marie Forleo, uh, James Webmore, Stu McLaren um, are among the the top ones who've made a really big impact. I love that. Yeah. And I actually yeah. really love this, I mean – sideways advice, but to look outside of the quilting industry, I think that's true for any medium, art, whatever, teaching, Mm -hmm. just to get outside of your box, to find inspiration, not to look at other people in your industry who are doing what you're doing, because then you're going to be doing what they're doing. But look outside and put your head down, do your work, and, and you'll find more success that way. You'll be a little more unique, stand out from the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are looking back at your quilting career, what is the like main advice that you would give to someone who is thinking of turning their craft into a career? I would say understanding that you could do a little bit of research and, um, and look online for all of these different things that you could be doing. You can quickly, quickly get overwhelmed. You can quickly fill up your to-do list with a whole bunch of things that will maybe make a little tiny bit of a difference. But understanding the the 80-20 rule, the Pareto principle of, you know, 80% of your results are going to come from 20% of your actions. So how can you, instead of spending 100% of your time, you know, on all these different actions and only 20% of them are creating the most results. And I think actually what I found within my business is 
maybe 10% or 5% of the, of the things that I was doing were actually making the biggest difference. So how can you instead focus on those few things that are going to really move the needle in your business? So um, big picture, those things are starting and growing an email list, mm -hmm. I think is number one, um, making offers and sharing those offers, making offers regularly to your audience. You're not going to make money if you're just posting on Instagram, make like sewing, making quilts and posting on Instagram. So how can you make offers? Um, I think also what, where things really started pivoting for me was when I started investing in myself and in my own education and understanding that my brain is the most important asset in my business bar none. And so how can I invest in myself, my own education, um, to become more equipped and grow, um, and to take shortcuts to learn from other people. So you don't have to spend a decade trying to figure it out on your own. Um, so that was all really huge and powerful. And also, uh, what I mentioned before around the, um, the main, a, a huge focus of mine is on my own mindset, my own, where I spend, where my attention is, where my energy is. And so if I can, I spend a good, I spend time every single morning in meditation in journaling to really get, um, like tuned in to myself, tuned into my own, um, source and start the day from there. Uh, and let my intuition be my guide in terms of um, how I'm going to proceed with certain problems um, and allowing everything to be fun and joyful. And if you reach a point in your business um, or in your day where something just feels really sluggish and slogging and just heavy, how can you, can you write that down and see a list of all of the things that are just not fun and making you, um, slowing you way down? And can you either eliminate it off of your list altogether? Can you delegate it to somebody else? Or can you figure out, flip it upside down and figure out a way to make it joyful? I think if you're able to go through life and your business from this place of centeredness, of joy, where everything that you're putting out there is just an overflowing of your own creativity and your own joy and pleasure, then who doesn't want to be a part of that? Who doesn't want to be your customer? It, you become, you know, magnetic mm -hmm. and, um, and become this shining light. Um, and I think that that is wildly underestimated and really powerful and just a much more fun way to move through the world. <laughs> I agree. And I mean, two things that I just need to like bravo on is, investing in yourself. And I have done it before. Yeah. That first time I signed up for a $1,000 course, you know, I was like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing yeah. this. And then to see mm -hmm. the total life change that that brought into my business and my life. How many thousands of dollars have you made back because yep. of what you learned in that $1,000 course? So many, like yeah. so many. And, and initially yeah. it's like, no way that I can't believe that I'm spending this, but I now would not change that for anything. Like it has completely uh -huh. changed my career and my life. And yeah. so when people are afraid to spend the money, that's, that's fine. But it does come back to that. Anyhow, it comes back to really believing what you offer and that, you know, that 
loving that. And I also want to touch on the, mm-hmm. the centeredness thing. I forgot I did that before and I would wake up and spend time meditating and journaling and I need to do that again. Like the thoughts, the yeah. ideas, the centeredness, like it's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It's so powerful. All of almost all of my best ideas, the best products came from that place where I got really tuned into myself, really tuned in. And that sounds weird. I got very centered. I got very aligned. Um, you know, whether if you, if you have a spiritual practice already, if you have a prayer practice or a meditation practice or something like that, integrate that into your business. Because if you can tap into your own intuition, you can call it God, you can call it your own intuition, your inner knowing, your higher self, your whatever. If you can tap into that one, you're, you're going to come from such a much more fun, light place. But then also, so that that's this, you become this like channel for all of this inspiration and creativity to flow in. And all of my best ideas have come from there. Um, me and the name for me and um, the, the structure of it came from there. So many different ways of marketing our products or creating these different lovely products has, has come from that place. And most people would think it's a waste of time. I'm way too busy to do this, but I think you are way too busy to not do it because it can help you to one, be a much more joyful centered person and, um, help you to clear out the clutter and all of the static that lives in our lives and will, you know, clutter your brain and your day, um, doing all of this busy work and help you to really focus and align with, okay, what is going to be the, the, the one thing that I can accomplish today, that's really going to move the needle forward. I love that. Yes, this was a really great reminder for me. I'm really glad you touched on that. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, this has been so fun. You're just awesome. You're an inspiration. Like I absolutely love hearing about and seeing the success that you're having. And yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I could just sit here and chat with you all day long. Same, same. So for our listeners, if they're wanting to find you, where can they find you? Uh, Shannon-Brinkley.com is our website and you can find out all about me, all about our different products. And that's probably the best place to go sign up for the newsletter and you can start seeing what those look like. And, um, I'm starting to share a little bit more on Instagram. I'm at Shannon E Brinkley over there. So come say hello. I'm sharing all about my, um, right now my adventures in fabric dyeing. So you can't, since this is a podcast, you can't see, but I think Elizabeth can see my picture. I have blue Smurf hands because I've been dyeing fabric with indigo. So it's been a pleasure and I'm sharing about that there. Okay. I wondered, I was like, what's going on with the hands there? Did she just have a really (laughs) terrible manicure? Is she sick or what's Uh, happening? (laughs) Very cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Shannon. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Sounds great. Shannon, thank you so much for being a guest on the Craft to Career podcast. I love chatting with you. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there was I, I'm excited to go and meditate and to do those morning practices that we talked about near the end. They really have made a difference. And it's just fun chatting with someone else in the industry who's thinking a little outside the box, has some really creative ideas, and has had some major success. It is just really impactful to have a community, have people that you can reach out to. So do reach out to me. I would love to be here for you. You know, if you are enjoying the podcast, for example, you can go ahead and reach out and let me know. You can let me know if there's something you want to hear. The biggest help is if you can rate the podcast 
subscribe, leave a review. That, first of all, lets me know how this is resonating with listeners. And it also helps the podcast to be seen, to get in front of more people. So if you are enjoying the Craft to Career podcast, go ahead and leave a review. And next week, we have a really fun guest. She actually was a veterinarian, has done some stand-up comedy, and she now goes and talks to different businesses about creativity, how important it is to use your creativity, things you can do to help tap into that. And as an entrepreneur, it's hugely helpful for your success to be able to unwind and tap into that. So next week, be sure to join us for our guest who's going to be talking about creativity. Have a wonderful week and I will see you later. 